0: Fire it up, footballers! Fire footballers! James here with Jiggly co-host, and we have Danny Santa Santa Marita. Uh,
1: yeah, pretty good. Better <laughs> <laughs> than <isn't> most. <laughs> I I have, I have trouble with it. Everyone does. It's okay.
0: <laughs> so how? What is it, Danny?
1: Santa Romita. You're you're very close.
0: Santa Romita. Got it. I got I got to stick Rome in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. That's a good. Uh... Mnemonic device or something,
0: sure. Yeah, Santa Romita. I like it. But awesome. Thank you for taking the time to come along on today. as And thank you, Jiggly, as well, for taking the time. Uh, thanks for everybody else uh, taking the time. Hop on here. I see we got some people joining us live stream. We'll get the live chat going. But everybody knows why we're here. We're here to talk Gaitán. First off, right off the bat, like, subscribe. Toss us a like. It lets us know how we're doing. We're not making any money out of this, but we, we run off likes. It lets us know that we're doing our community uh, due diligence. Take a look at True Marty's um uh, Fire, for Food, uh, Fire for Food program, that's still going good. Uh, always look into that. And uh, that's business out of the way. Gaetan is coming to the Chicago Fire. What happened, Danny? How did this happen?
1: Well, it was, it was an opportunistic move on the Fire's part. Uh, I mean, you look at the timing and the team that he came from, and it, it kind of left him with limited options. Uh, his Chinese club had signed a fifth foreign player, and you can only have four in that league. So they had to move one of them, and it was February, late February, when they added that extra player. So all of a sudden, you're looking at you know the European transfer window's closed. There's only so many places in the world they can ship him to, or ship any of these players to, and it ended up being Gaetan. Um, so yeah, the Fire and MLS, I guess, was as far as I've heard that uh, the Chinese team reached out to MLS in some capacity, uh, and the Fire were the team that was able to take advantage. So opportunistic it makes them a better team Uh, I'm sure we'll get into the nitty-gritty of how he's going to fit in but yeah it was definitely a a right place right time for the fire
0: Uh, it's interesting because I know Portland is looking for a striker but Nico Catan is not exactly a striker he seems to be more of a like a winger uh, creator type so it's I think it was fortunate that you know uh, Portland wasn't looking for that they already have Valeri uh, Valeri. Uh, they already have Diego there so they're all good
2: I believe uh, there was something about uh, when Valeri first joined the league, the fire were offered Valeri, and we didn't take him. I just remember that story.
0: I believe that's true. I don't know if Danny knows anything about it.
1: I've heard similar, but I I don't know if I can verify that enough. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) it's it's a legend. It's a
0: legend. Well, well, what it comes down to is there's been so many big names. Didier Drogba was rumored to be coming back here at some point, but then he went over to Montreal. And then uh, that name, uh, Diego Valeri, was supposed to be coming here. That and We didn't even know what the commodity was at the time. It only, when he once he came to MLS, did he really become what we know him to be. Uh, and then, uh, wasn't there another couple big names? It um, was uh,
2: Jermaine Jones, supposed to come to the fire. It was uh, Alejandro Bedoya.
0: Was it Brad Patrick Guzan was supposed to
2: come to the fire.
0: Brad Guzan, Jonathan Spector, and just names that you know the fire didn't necessarily nail but then here all of a sudden comes Nico Gaetan through the woodwork and to hear that the fire got a player like Nico Gaetan is is stunning. I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to affect the, the lineup but uh, okay. let's get into a little bit of his history. He started in Argentina with Boca Juniors. Uh, He was sold for about 8 million or so euros to, um, what was it, to Benfica or was it to a Portugal team? Uh,
2: Benfica. That is a Portugal team. That
0: is a Portugal team. And then from Benfica, he was sold to Atletico, correct?
2: Yes. I'm checking this up right now.
0: (laughs) And so when he was at Atletico... uh, he was. Um, they run a, a, a more defensive system that may have not necessarily meshed as well with Nico Gaetan's offensive uh, abilities. I know he's not really off uh, defensively oriented. He's very offensively oriented. He's got a wicked left foot. He seems to prefer it, and uh, is a diminutive uh, player, five foot seven to five foot nine, depending on where you're looking at. Um, pr- a decently pacey and a really good dribbler creator. It seems. I don't know you if we have any...
1: Add, it. I would say you should add uh, something that the Fire I haven't had a ton of. I know they've had more with uh, Alexander Katai joining. He's been a very good one-on-one player. He seems to be the most aggressive in those circumstances. Uh, and, and we're seeing that with uh, Jean McFrankowski where he's starting to get a feel for that side of his game, or we're, we're starting to get a feel for that side of his game, uh, seeing it in his, his, uh, or start with the Fire here. So, yeah, you look at if you can get those three on a front line or a supporting line, I should say, Behind Nikolic and or C.J. Sapong, you're starting to feel pretty good, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but how it all is going to fit together is going to be very fascinating.
0: Absolutely, um, we'll, we'll we'll definitely get right into that very shortly here. Um, just a real cover real short, he had a horror collision last year um, with with I think he collided with a player and fell down to the ground and started and started having like somewhat of a seizure. And then uh, another player, Yannick Carrasco, came over and tried to help save him. So when you're having a, a seizure on the ground, I believe you're supposed to put the player on the side of their on, on their side so the tongue does not roll back. And uh, I'm not exactly sure if that's what Carrasco did, but he definitely helped uh, helped out a little bit with saving uh, Nico Gaetan's life. Basically, just a year ago, you could see this video. It was pretty intense.
2: And it's and it's interesting that it that it was him who saved him because uh, what he went to. He also went to the Chinese Super League with the same player.
0: Yeah, they were, They both came from Atletico, I believe. Yeah. Uh, actually, the interesting thing about that is that the team, Yilfeng, Feng Diang, or uh, I believe uh, the ownership group there is has some ties to Atletico Madrid, so that's how they were able to facilitate that. And then Chicago Fire is able to sign him on a free transfer because uh, I, I think Danny was mentioning is because. Uh, they were over term on their DP limits essentially, so they had to cut somebody loose. I think he was—he was, uh, he was uh, due. He only had a year left on his contract, so I guess he was elected to go. And their loss is the fire's game.
2: I remember there was uh, some conversation about how Guy Tom was getting available at that moment because it was right at the time where there was a lot of discussion about LA Galaxy's designated players and that sort of situation and how MLS was trying to deal with it. And meanwhile, uh, I don't remember who, I think it was Tenorio, Mm -hmm. who was pointing towards uh, China saying, they said you have to get rid of that player, and they got rid of that player. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an interesting look between two different leagues in terms of how how they handle roster regulations.
1: Yeah, MLS isn't always the most convoluted when it comes to rules, isn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Uh, but they did eventually make uh, L.A. Galaxy uh, ter- ultimately terminate the contract and buy out the contract for um, Dos Santos. So that is different. And, and of course, the, tenor- the conversation with Tenorio is um, do we bring on a force DP? Do we change the rules? We had this conversation with Stam Stexel uh, a few weeks ago. What's gonna, do, do, Is it time for MLS to change the rules for transfers and for DPs And TAM? Paid quite a bit of money for this year outside of the budget, but that was paid for by ownership. If, if does that sound right, Danny?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not entirely uh, clear on the specifics. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to explain. Mm. But yeah, so there's there's a a set of TAM that each team gets that is, I guess, sort of league provided, and the discretionary is on on it's on the discretion of each team. So uh, this is, I guess, the, the way they described it in the press is there's a little bit of both. I believe um, based on my own keeping track and knowledge of the fires, a uh, pool of Tam had been kind of dwindling. So I think this is more, they sort of, I don't even know if ran out is even the correct way to say that, but they needed to dip into this discretionary um, Tam to be able to, to acquire him.
0: It sounds so, like they have the ability to purchase more right. up to a limited yeah. amount.
1: Yeah, this this is basically a sign of, of them spending uh, spending some money. Even if you know, I, I he still would have to be making, and it was a free transfer, which was a big deal. The Chinese team was just happy to get free of his salary because they couldn't use him at this point. Um, but he still will, if he's going to not be a DP, he has to be making a million and a half or under. I believe that's still the cutoff for that mm-hmm. for the team to be able to buy him down. Um, so I bet I imagine he's somewhere in that ballpark though.
0: I think so, and then the rumor has it is that he has an option for next year, but if he is retained, he would be retained as a DP.
1: Yeah, I think part of that is, that, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, that, uh, yeah, he should be prorated for this season. Of course, the season's not even 10% of the way in, but that still factors in.
0: Oh, I did not realize that.
1: Yeah, we've had that come, uh, I believe that was with Katai, it was something similar, where that's why he was a TAM player last season because he did not. Uh, he started as a lone player, and then the the Fire were able to work work the system to, to get him as a DP this year with the transfer fee. That was part of why there was some uh, logistical issues with the negotiations with him last season. But yes, yeah, so, so somewhat similar in that way. But he was a transfer fee, and, and Gaetano does not.
0: So the curious thing about Gaetano, Gaetano though, is a lot of the TAM players. Um, there are they're tam players, and a lot of the DP players are maybe an echelon above tam players. Gaitan enter he might be an echelon above. He might be a DP player as he's going to be getting essentially a DP co- contract salary next year, but we're getting him at a D tam rate. There, that has to be
1: huge, uh,
0: huge for the Fire's roster. Uh, I think.
1: Yeah, and also just looking at the you're looking at that option for 2020 uh, where he could become a DP. You're looking at the DPS on the roster now. We talked about Katai. Uh, He also has an option for next season, uh, or the Fire have an option for him for next season. So the same thing as with Gaetan. Nikolic is out of contract, and Schweinsteiger is out of contract. And who knows if either one of those could be back, but there is some flexibility in the longer term, or at least going into 2020, if they want to keep Gaetan and have to move him to a DP spot. uh, There are ways they can do that. Of course, you don't want to lose Schweinsteiger or Nikolic, um, although who knows if Schweinstar would want to come back anyway. That's another discussion. So just saying and
2: who knows, if we, uh, who knows if we're looking for some sort of value out of Nikolic soon.
1: Yeah, especially with CJ Sapong playing well, that would be a heck of a gamble uh, to, to try and sell him or trade him as opposed to re-signing him or letting him go, but sure, that's a possibility.
0: I think with Gaitan coming in, I think it's really going to benefit a player like Nikolic. Um just to have that creative uh we're getting like an Almirone type I feel like in Gaitan. Wow. Do you think that I mean just like in his his ability to maybe drive forward with the ball and to maybe playmake uh in a similar way as Almiron. Sorry, sure, you're not going to get the the actual explosiveness and ability of Almirone, but you're getting maybe a poor man's Almirone.
1: Maybe I, I'll say for Almiron, uh, as a quick side note. Seeing him in person, I think he missed uh, either was hurt and came off the bench I think the first time that he came to Chicago um, in 2017 but uh, seeing him in person he's one of the fastest players on the ball I've ever seen um, straight-line speed I don't know that he's you know that exceptional David Acon's pretty fast plenty of fast players in MLS but his speed on the ball like he almost it was faster at times it felt like on the ball than off uh, so he was just an absolute dynamic player so I'd be very careful uh, throwing that comparison out there. Um, I think maybe even someone like, uh, just to throw Argentines out there, you know, Diego Valeri, or um, even Sebastian Blanco, also on Portland, that kind of, that you know, that Argentine style of technical player who's creative in midfield, not the biggest player. I think you want something along that lines of production. Maybe even Lucho Acosta with DCO. He's smaller than Gaetan. But, yeah, you, there's, there's a track record of these guys succeeding in MLS and the fire. Maybe you have one of those players now.
2: Yeah, I'm with uh, somebody like, because were, we were just talking about uh, CJ Sapong and versus what would be Nico. And the thing with the difference between the two of them is that Sapong is a target man forward. He is going to be the guy in the box who gets up to the balls. who's going to be physical. Nico is a technical striker. He's going to be getting passes in. And having somebody like Gaetan, Guy- and having somebody like Gaetan, Guyton, Gaetan's going to be helping Nico a whole lot more than he probably helps that, Sapong with that, with his passing ability.
1: Yeah, and Sapong's a little bit more um, dynamic player. I know even Dax McCarty, when I talked to him uh, after the LA game or in between the LA and the Orlando games in the middle of the week, uh, he said we haven't had a striker like CJ in terms of his. I think he even used the word dynamism, that speed, strength, you know, ability to be physical, hold the ball up. We saw it in that goal against Orlando, the, the header. that. I'm, and Nikolic is a pretty solid player in the air, but he's nothing like what C.J. pong scored against uh, in that goal in Orlando. That was in a very impressive header. So uh, Sapong gives them a different element in the attack. And um, Kaitan can probably feed both of them. Nikolic is just a a solid poacher. He knows where to be. He's usually very clinical in his finishing. I know he, he wasn't against Orlando, um, but you you always want depth. They've talked about that. We've talked about it. I mean, we meaning the fire community, no. whatever you want to call it. Um, they, that lack of depth hurt them in 2017 when they had a good starting 11, and then injuries kind of caught up with them. Uh, 2018, they had even less depth than it showed throughout the year. So you're looking at an attack that could have Sapong or Nikolic on the bench, probably Sapong, but he's out right now, so they might ride that a little bit. Uh, and you're looking at what already appeared to be a solid front six or so, and then you're adding another guy on top of that. So you're, you're giving yourself that depth that they haven't had. I don't know, guys. Wait, how long? Several years. The 2012 team had this kind of depth. I don't do we know. Further back than that? Maybe even
0: further back. I mean, at least the the front eleven, and then a couple of the guys that are just right behind. I mean, right like you were saying, where do we put the? Where we're gonna get? I, maybe this is t- time to get into this. Where we where do we play these guys? Um, and I, let's just quickly mention, I, I, in your article, uh, Danny, you you mentioned that Gaetan won't be playing uh, in Saturday's game against Sounders.
1: Yeah, he's not expected to join the team. The way it was phrased to me was uh, they expect him to join about this time next week. Mm-hmm. So he will not be playing uh, Saturday. Uh, with the international breaks, they don't play the following weekend. They have two weeks between uh, Saturday's match and then the one on the 30th. I would expect him to be ready for that. But they still could ease him in. I'm not going to promise he's going to start or anything. But, uh, yeah, he won't play Saturday, and he I would expect him to be uh, at least Somewhat integrated by the, the following match, though.
0: So that's March 30th as the following match against New York Red Bulls. That'll be at home in Bridgeview. Probably going to be a sellout now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. We'll see. Hopefully the weather's nice because we didn't have a nice weather against Orlando and that cost them in, in terms of attendance. And uh, Even though today has been pretty good in Chicagoland, I don't know about Saturday. Yeah,
2: Saturday it's supposed to instantly drop Tomorrow.
0: Oh yeah, that might change things. Yeah, that definitely might affect attendance. So maybe not a, a full house on March 30th, but that well, that's this weekend. So this is the Seattle Sounders. Um, New York Red Bulls will be March 30th. Uh, one thing, Gaetan created 86 chances for playing for uh, Yifang uh, Dalian. Um, I think that was the second most productive player in that uh, of the league during that time. So he's highly productive as far as creating. So that'll be huge. And it, if he's going to be a big time creator, where do we play? Where's, this best, where's the best position to play this guy with this current roster, with a player already there like Georgie, with two awesome wingers already in Frankowski and Katai, but also some players that have some um, maneuverability, positional movement maneuverability. So where where are we going to see Gaetan probably most deployed? Uh, I know that he has a wicked left foot, and I so that makes me think: are we going to see a lot of inside forward on that right side?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You have basically three wingers now, mm-hmm. uh, and with some flexibility for sure. Oh, I mean, uh, Frankowski and Gatai. I think you want to be on the wings. I think they prefer to be there. Mm-hmm. I think Frankowski probably. More than the other two should stand the wing because of his speed. Um,
0: he's I athletic, think, he's very athletic,
1: yeah. So, yeah, you want to be able to let him run those flanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe Katai is most suited to play centrally, even though I still think he's you know, he's got a little bit of that uh, Arturo Alvarez cutting inside in this game. I, I, you know, I know if that's there's somewhat different players otherwise, but definitely that one on one ability and cutting inside. So, he moves inside, he kind of loses that, but um. He's able to drift. I noticed that there was one play. I think it was in the first half of the LA match, where Frankowski was in the left wing. Uh, there was a, some build-up, some interplay between him and I believe Corrales uh, on the left bat, on the left wing, and Katai had drifted. I don't know if you guys play. Uh, the, like, journey or, or like, the, the play mode in FIFA where you're stuck to a player, but it's kind of how I play that, where it's, like,
0: yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you kind
1: of want to get to the ball so you ignore your position and drift over a little bit. a mm-hmm. video game, you can get away with it. Oh, yeah. Katai did that on this one sequence where he was the right winger, and because sh- I know they, they swap at the moment. but this play, Katai shifts all the way over he, was on, he wasn't all the way in the wing, but was on the left half of the field. I remember
0: seeing this, Danny. I remember yeah. noting this, too. I'm like, whoa, they're both on the same side for some reason. Go on.
1: Right, yeah. So they combined on a plane, and Katai got a shot. I think it was like a quick one-two, or maybe one of them made a quick dribble in between. But Katai ended up getting a shot on, on goal out of that. Uh, so there is definitely flexibility with uh, those players. And, and I think what you want to see, and what I think we saw some of... Uh, in stretches in 2017 was kind of the free-flowing fire attack. And I think when they, that year, when that team was was kind of uh, hitting on all cylinders in the attack, it was when Matt Polster was having the freedom to run forward on the right back. It was when David Comber was having the uh, creating well with his speed. And Nikolic was poaching in front, and the midfield was under control, and you could see just that movement. And I think Katai and Frank could get there with some time, and then you throw Gaetan in there. And the thing is, what we saw last season where they weren't able to achieve that was Katai had that run when he joined the team early on when he was on fire. And then they picked up his option, and he slumped. Uh, coincidentally or not, I don't know. But teams did start to sort of double team in him or focus in on him, and the fire's attack was Katai or nothing, and teams were just putting numbers on him, and it ended up being nothing towards the end of the year. That's when that... Losing straight cap, and I mean, that was one of the reasons, at least. It sounds like um, David
0: Akam, uh, when it was just David Akam. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. Right? So, I think you see Katai, and now Frankowski, and then Gaetan, and you won't be able to uh, focus in on of those guys. That's ideal. Now, of course, it has to fit together, and that chemistry has to come, but I think that's, that's the thought process, probably in the minds of uh, Nelson Rodriguez and Velko Panovic right now.
0: hmm you have some comments, Jigli?
2: Well, I mean, I really like the idea of having somebody who's going to be cutting in, but with where exactly uh, Gaetan's going to be playing, I think he's probably going to be placed at that number 10 spot because I mean, the reason, the whole thing is everybody's been asking for a number 10, for, for specifically an Argentinian number 10. And this guy is right here. Yes, he plays winger, but he's pretty much a number 10. He's considered an enganche, So if we're going to be playing him, he's probably going to be playing in that spot. But then the question becomes, what do we do with Georgia Mihaljevic then?
0: Where does Georgie go? What do you think, Danny?
2: Well, yeah, so
1: we we kind of talked about this off-air, and I think I mentioned it in, in my article on Pro Soccer USA today about... about uh, Check out
0: Danny's work, by the way.
1: <laughs> little plug. Um, but you... you can have a three-five-two, and they've had a 352 um, 5 We've seen it, each of the two years Schweinsteiger's been with the team, he's dropped a sweeper. They did it even in 2017 during the good run, and it had pretty good success. I don't know that that was the reason for the success, but they did have success in that formation. Um, and then we saw it a bit more last season because they couldn't find a center-back partner for Johan Kapalov. So now they have Marcelo. Well, it's too early to say if he's going to be good or not yet, but He's going to be the guy, right? They, they yeah. spent money on him. Uh, they didn't bring in anyone else at center back. They still probably need to from a simple numbers perspective because the only other center back on the roster is Grant Willard. Um, and you simply need more bodies than that.
0: And um, it seems like it was reported that uh, the uh, one of the center backs that they were in for has uh, fizzled out.
1: Yeah, so and they're going to keep looking. I know that's something uh, Rodriguez and Ponemich have both talked about, that, hey, we're looking. We know we need to add more. Uh, and this is one of those things, It's you can be okay with the starting center backs they have now, mm. but it's okay until you have an injury or two, and then suddenly you're throwing desperation moves out there. And that's what happened through a lot of 2018. You know, they had injuries, Jonathan Campbell missed the first part of the year, Christian Dean missed a chunk and struggled in the beginning, and Lewis didn't hit the ground running as a rookie, and all of a sudden your defense struggled. Um, so they're going to try and avoid that this season, but... You can look at Schweinsteiger dropping into a back three with Marceau and Kapilov. I could see Georgie dropping back with Dax McCarty, and then those two can control the center midfield. I think Georgie is actually probably more suited to be a slightly deeper midfielder. If you want to go into the, the geeky soccer parlance, he's probably more of an eight than a ten. Um, I think we saw mixed things from him in the first two games. He showed some really good stuff, and the good vision, his, his precision was a little bit off, but not enough you think he can't he can't do it. Um, but then there's also some, some moments where he would miss a pass or miss a play. So it's, it's like, I mean, that's what you expect with a 20-year-old player, too, right? He's, he's definitely made strides in his game, and I think his confidence is high when the national team helped with that. But I think he can play a little bit deeper and, and simply be a connector when you have Frankowski, Katai, and, um, and Gaitan, you know, supporting maybe Nikolic and Sapong. So... I mean, is that is that the way to go? Do you have enough defensive cover in that lineup if you go Schweinsteiger, Marcel Kappelhoff with, with uh, Dax and Georgie above them?
0: And that a sub-six-foot and- back line? Or maybe Basti's six-foot, so it's not really. But- yeah,
1: but I, I, I have uh, memories of Basti struggling in the air against, um, uh, I believe it was Kai Kamara maybe in one mm-hmm. of the games last season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be some big strikers in MLS. I know Kapilov has said that over his years with the team. You know, there's a lot of physical strikers in MLS. Yeah. And it is not easy to match up with some of those guys. And, you know, we already saw it with Zlatan, you know, in the season opener. Uh, I, got, um,
0: I got a question about Georgie for you. Um, somebody was talking to me on Reddit, and they were asking about his uh, why he was going 60 minutes these past few matches. And I was thinking it's just because they're probably bringing him back from ACL. He was at national team duty. And so, I mean, coming back from an injury such so big as that, I thought that, you know, they'll take it easy with him. Uh, is that what's going on there? Or is that just because, you know, maybe he was showing some mistakes? Uh, well,
1: I think different situations in the different matches so far. I think the Orlando match... Everything gets thrown out of whack when you have a red card. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Georgia got subbed off five minutes after Corrales' red card. So I don't know that you can really read into that too much because when you're down a man and a goal, everything becomes tactical in terms of your, you know, your substitutions and not necessarily, you know, we only wanted this guy to go this many minutes or he's struggling. I think it's simply getting the shape and getting, you know, finding a way to scrap out that point that they did. Um, As far as the LA match, I think it's fair to question some of those substitutions or at least, you know, wonder why they happened the way they did. I think Katai was one of the most dangerous players. Him and Frankowski were showing some of that chemistry in the early part of that second half in L.A., and then Katai got subbed off right after the goal, the first L.A. goal, and uh, the fire's attack did not look the same after. And I think part of that, too, was the midfield. They were getting—the L.A. had started to push forward. The fire were struggling to absorb the pressure. Um, but again, we're looking at a small sample size here, too. Like I said, the Orlando match is weird because of the red card, and then you only have one other match to go off of. I think it's too early to call it a trend or that they're being careful with him or anything yet.
0: Uh, so we're kind of talking about it, and we're talking right around it. Corrales got that red card. Uh, who's going to start a left-back next, next match?
1: Do you even have a left-back left back
2: <laughs>
0: Do we? <laughs> uh, don't we have a kid?
2: No, actually, apparently he's injured. I was looking on transfer Mark and it says he's got a hamstring injury or something. Yeah,
1: he's, he's been nursing an injury um, since the preseason, I believe.
0: You're talking about Edwards?
1: Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, I no, 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 not Edwards. Uh, I'm, I'm talking not, about Andre Reynolds.
0: Yeah. Oh, Reynolds.
1: They both have been nursing injuries, actually, so it's funny you say that. Uh, yeah, so they, I, I think Edwards uh, was sort of like a, I don't know about like game time decision, but uh, the fire traveled to L.A. Wednesday, and, and Panovich told me on the day before that they were deciding if he wanted to travel or not. He obviously did not. Um, Reynolds is... I, first of all, I don't think Reynolds... I wouldn't expect him to play very much this season. They may give him a couple appearances just to get him in the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they signed him with the intention of him getting minutes with the first team consistently this year. I mean, he's only 18. I think it's more of a project, but um, yeah.
0: Oh, we do... So, uh- uh, we got a question here from uh, former Spinning Fire podcaster, uh, Brian O'Leary. How uh, how can you win without fullbacks in this league? A lot um, of teams figure it out, I think.
2: You just put all, all of your players up in the attack. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, do you guys remember uh,
1: Zanik uh, Zeman? Uh, He's a former Roma coach and coached over Italy in different parts of Europe. Zanik Zeman? He had, was famous for an all out attack. He uh, would have, uh, and I know, I feel like we've seen this. I think Atlanta did it. We've seen it a couple teams in MLS. On, the, on a kickoff, he would have every player stand at the halfway line. So they'd be spread all the way across the width of the halfway line and just boot the, the ball down and press and send tons of numbers forward. I don't I just think Velko Panovic is ever going to do anything that crazy. Um, But uh, there is history in soccer of teams just kind of going all out in bizarre ways. I
2: remember seeing the video of, like I think it's RB Leipzig doing that, where they just sent everyone down and they actually scored off of it. But any other time I've seen it, it's failed miserably.
1: Yeah, it takes an incredible amount of fitness from your players because you're asking them to run like crazy, basically.
0: And Jeffrey and I have been talking about it. Really, modern soccer is going the way of the fullback and the winger. It's always been kind of just going to the winger, but now it's more so even about that fullback and that fullback over kind of just going to the winger. But now it's more so even about that fullback and that fullback overlap.
1: In that in that reference though, it's not necessarily about fullback fullback defending. It's more about covering ground and going up and down and attacking. Mm-hmm. So good point. Especially when you see a lot of three five twos. Like I know Toronto when they ran that uh, when they won in 2017, they, they were true wing backs where they yes they had to track back in moments and play defense, but they were definitely uh, focal points in the attack and created the width going forward. Mm. So. As that modern fullback evolves, it is more becoming an offensive position. So as we look at the Fires fullbacks and you say, okay, Corrales struggled defensively. Uh, but you look at the fullbacks and you say, okay, Corrales struggled defensively. Uh, but you look at the what they had on the other side. Diego Campos was um, you know, a converted attacker that they sent to, to right back because he's got, he serves in a really good ball. I think he's a good crosser. Uh, he's, he's fair in terms of how he's able to, to connect and dribble and pass and everything. Uh, and he's also a good set-piece delivery guy. You know, Defensively, I think in that L.A. match, he was, he was wildly out of position at times, which you would expect, right? But that's what the fire asking their guys to do when you don't have more experienced starting caliber fullbacks in the roster.
2: I think what I want to see with, the, with this backline is, uh, we, we keep talking about it as a three-man backline, but really it's essentially a five man back line. There's uh the original the original fire team had a five man back line in terms of we had three real defenders, real center backs, and then Diego Gutierrez would play further up the pitch and then come track back and make it and turn it into a full four man back line, mm-hmm. and there'd also be someone there towards the right side. And I think that that's the sort of thing we need to get a player who can Play that specific position. We had that player in uh, Matt Polster. Matt Polster could do that, where he could play that attacking position and then instantly move back towards a defensive position and make the backline whole again. And we don't exactly have that right now. I think, yeah, it's we gotta find a way to make somebody a a left wing back, and we do have one, but he's injured, or at least uh, apparently injured. He's not ready yet with uh, Raheem Edwards, which, if he is ready, we should instantly just send Mo over to Lansing and bring he- Edwards back. So
1: Yeah, and Edwards similar to Compos. He's a, more, a more experienced player, but another attacker that they're converting into that spot. So
0: so the way we're talking about it, really seems like this team's about to convert, and we might not see too much of the uh, 4-2-3-1 uh, over the rest of the year. We might see a lot more three-man back lines with maybe Basti as that middle pivot again.
1: Right, and again... This is because that's the easiest way to get your best 11 players in the field, right? Especially with the way CJ Pong is playing. You would probably add him in that conversation, right, as one of your best 11 players.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and again, and even like, like Dak said, that dynamism, he's a different type of attacker. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen Nick Lich play in two striker setups too often. Uh, there were times when they were trailing where him and Alan Gordon played together, and that's when you're talking the last 20, 30 minutes of a match and you're down a goal or, or whatever the situation, you're chasing a goal, that's almost not even a fair um, judge of your tactical setup anyway because a lot of times you're just pushing the ball forward mm-hmm. in haste and not necessarily building up. So uh, even that can be different. So, yeah, we'll see. I think the three-five-two 5 2 makes sense on paper, um, but does it give them enough defensive cover, right? And, and do we see someone like... Brant Bronico become more of a connector in that setup because if Bassey drops deep, you need more depth in midfield. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Panovic deals with this. I mean, do we see someone else that we don't expect go to the bench? Like, would they consider benching a tie? And, again, this all seems full help. The odds are one of these, you know, what's called front seven or eight guys that we would consider midfields or forwards in this setup um, you know you have an injury and all of a sudden you it goes out the window anyway so and that's you know among that many players it's probably going to happen you know chunks of the season so uh, we'll see we may not get too much of the 352 or we could be every week who knows
0: and you were saying about it earlier when you're talking about fifa but it it what, it what I'm thinking about what would i do with these guys in career mode when i look at this roster and i see that we have three center backs and the the third one on the depth chart's lillard um And I don't know, he's rated like a fifty. I I would, at that point, like you guys are saying, and we're saying, it makes sense to move Basti back just to get your best eleven on the field, and just to put in kind of FIFA terms. And I don't know, it it makes sense to me that you that just to bring him back and that just. He is slower. He's not as good in the air. You have to really find a way to get the best type of center back out of him, though. And I wonder if it is that center pivot. I wonder if he might actually be better on the right or the left side and kind of being allowed to more so drift to the side than having to be relied upon being that central pivot when he has a propensity to want to maybe join the attack anyway.
1: Yeah, I think Um, it's a great question. I think Schweinsteiger gives you... um, you know, ball security from deep, and I, I know Ponovich has always prioritized trying to build out of the back, and they have only sporadically throughout his tenure been able to do it. I mm-hmm. think, like, like, again, 2017, they did it the most successfully, but still had moments of struggling with that. Um, and I'll say this about this hypothetical three-five-two we concocted here. Uh, there's a lot of ways it could go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you're asking a lot of you know, Katai and Frankowski, in terms of tracking back, will they do that? Will they be successful at it? Uh, as you guys are pointing out, can Schweinsteiger handle, or any of those three center backs handle, a big physical striker in the middle or balls in the air? Can,
0: um, can they handle Zlatan again?
1: <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways it can go wrong. I think the only thing worth saying about it is it, it's 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 uh, intriguing enough to at least see it in play. For a match or two, and if it, if there's not enough defensive cover, then maybe it's like a halftime switch or pike of to pull somebody and pull the plug on it. Um, but I think it's 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 worth considering, and it's probably worth seeing.
0: Definitely excited, Jiggly, You got any comments?
2: I I really think that Swansteiger going towards that uh, towards that back that back line could work if he's in a more forward position on the back line it's a weird way to put it mm-hmm. but we, i'm going back to like the original fire because they had that sort of same problem with a ton of attacking prowess and not that much defensive depth of course we're dealing back with a different depth?
0: mls you know where yeah, it's <laughs> a very different mls
2: <laughs> but it's it, it's similar personnel issues and mm-hmm. we had luboš Kubik, who He's a, he was a central midfielder, and instead of having that central midfield, we pushed him back just a bit so that he's not exactly a holding mid, but he's not exactly a center back. He's in a weird limbo position, and I think that Schwanstacker, at this point in his career, might be best served playing in that, in that weird position where he's going to be that deep line playmaker, but his focus will be defense. And I think we've seen him like try to slip into that sort of position. And it hasn't really quite exactly worked out. But maybe it's more we haven't really set everything up around him to work out that way.
0: There's a lot of attacking talent on this team. And with the introduction of Gaetan, that should hopefully you know lessen some of these offensive responsibilities that some seemingly get foisted upon various players at different points of the game. With so much attacking talent, hopefully that does let Basti concentrate on doing that and maybe, uh, I don't know, not worrying. <sighs> he likes to shout a lot. <laughs> I'm just you know, Focusing on, on, on the teammates, the, this, I wonder if Gaetan is the key to unlocking uh, Ponovic's offense is what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah, we'll see. This is definitely the most attacking talent on paper that they've had. I think even more than the 2017 team, which I think was a far more balanced team. I think this one looks very attacking heavy as we see it
0: right now. I'm excited. Um, uh, anything else we want to cover here, boys? Uh, everybody, you can fire your last questions here for for Danny and Jiggly and myself. Uh, let us know here in the chats. Uh, let's see. Jorge went to his first fire game. Congrats. O'Leary says two five three all, all day. <laughs> uh, says uh, also O'Leary, O'Leary saying thinks Jiggly is awesome. Uh, thank you, Danny, for coming on. By the way, uh, let's see. Um. Any other topics we've to got. Regard- Jiggly, didn't you have something else you wanted to talk about, or did we did we get to it?
2: Yeah, we got to it. Who's going to be playing left back? Yeah. And I think at this point, what we're, we've kind of figured out that it's not going to be Edwards. It's not going to be Reynolds. Uh, it's probably going to be Hasler or possibly Frankowski.
0: I, if it, I would see Campos or Hasler there before I see Frankowski, but. That's not a, I mean, he can play that left side, so maybe that's not a horrible shout.
2: Or maybe moving Campos to the left side and having uh, Frankowski play the right back.
0: I, I just wonder how fo- how well two-footed uh, Compos is. I'm
2: not sure. Because you yeah, want yeah. remember-
0: Sorry, Danny. Go ahead.
2: I think you
1: guys are overthinking a, a little bit. I think yeah. the odds are probably Hassler and Compos on the left. Yeah.
0: yeah. Usted's definitely solidified things back there a lot. I'm very excited for him. Let's um, so. I, is Reynolds uh, a center back or a wing back? I believe he's a wing back, correct, Danny?
1: Yeah, he's a left back as far as I know.
0: And then uh, Guchar, uh, Jeremiah Guchar, what position does he play?
1: Uh, he's more of a six. I, I don't know if he's like a true destroyer type or more of a distributor, but I, I believe he's more of a defensive mid.
0: And are we still having trouble uh, with international slots?
1: So that's an interesting question. I, I think you have to just understand that Rodriguez plays a game with that. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but mm-hmm. he said this, I believe it was at the draft this year, uh, where someone asked him, you know, how, do, how are you feeling about your international slots? And he made a comment like, you know, we successfully juggled nine or 10 or 11 last season with eight spots. And so I was like, I think we can do that again. Um, of course they did acquire one and, and they, the price on those has gone up. Um, apparently, based on what they pay and what we've seen other teams pay. As terms as the amount of allocation money you have to give up for them. They have nine spots. They have more than nine players. Uh, like Elliot Collier, for example, is on loan. We think, you know, Edwards might be on loan. I know he's currently hurt. But they're, they are juggling, the, they're playing the game and juggling the spots. Um, and there also is expected to be some green card relief uh, on that front sometime this season, too. So
0: That would be awesome. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, hopefully,
2: go ahead. Hopefully it comes in soon. I mean, at this point, we would have to loan out Mo Adams. And he's okay, he hasn't made the 18. So that's why I'm thinking if we need Edwards soon enough, uh, we should probably be making that move. But since Edwards is still apparently injured, we can't exactly do that. And Mo Adams is kind of stuck in a weird spot right now. And I think I really want to see him play but I don't think he has too much of an option to be able to play right now with the current fire team that we have. He's a defensive midfielder, which we don't have that many of, but there's going to be players being pushed back towards the defense, so that means there's going to be less room for him.
0: Probably Brant Bronico is going to be ahead of him on the depth chart too. I mean, he probably maybe he's a direct replacement for Dax at the mid, and maybe if we see Georgie drop into that center mid role uh, and Basky back, maybe branch the go-to sub for that center mid spot. And so, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. You're, we were talking about what you were talking about, you know, what would you do with this team in career mode at this point? You might just want to start moving out players because we do have, we have great depth on the attack, almost too much. We have a lot of central midfielders, almost too much. And, we have no left back. We do not have a left back currently. We don't have anything at fullback. So at this point, we might have to start making moves, and Max McCarty might be one of the people that's going to have to go. It's weird. He's a wonderful leader. I love him, and he is definitely. He didn't look that good in the first game, but he looked a lot better in the second game. Ever a lot of people looked a lot better in the second game, but there's just not that much room left for him and if we can get a good deal out of him sending him to Orlando and getting a left back. I think we, uh, you were talking about this uh, during the last podcast and I and I know we were talking about this at the game about getting someone like Joel Moutinho which I didn't even know he was on Orlando but getting someone like him for Dax. Someone on a fullback position for one of our superfluous players at this point.
1: Danny?
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, I,
2: it's a hard decision.
0: It's a real hard decision. And you definitely don't want to trade away one of your, one of your leaders. And, but you definitely want to maximize value. And if you could get a position of need for a position that's maybe overflowing or a position you maybe get away with somebody else at or find time for uh, what, you're, what you're saying, find time for Mo Adams, uh, maybe by removing Dax or, or for Brand Bronico too. You know, uh, maybe that does help out. Uh, Real quick, uh, uh, Danny, uh, joke question. Do you think C.J. Brown might be willing to suit up again?
1: (laughs) There's your fourth center back, right?
0: And what about uh, Klopas suiting up again while we're at it?
1: (laughs) Oh boy, I'm embarrassed to say, this is a funny story actually. Uh, Was it for the All-Star game? I believe we had a uh, media game uh, at the fire pitch on the north side.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And Klopas was there among others. And I hadn't kicked the ball. I mean, I play rec now, so I'm not as rusty. I'm not going to say I'm any good at the moment. My, uh, the skills of my youth have gone. But um, I hadn't touched the ball in probably a year or two at that point. First touch, I kick a pass to Klopas. It is a solid 20 feet away from him. He just stops and stares at me and goes, even in my prime, I couldn't reach. This is warm-up, mind you. We're like in a circle passing the ball around. And he just says, yeah, even in my prime, I couldn't reach that one. And that's about (laughs) as embarrassed as you can be. Like, oh, that's the typical first touch when you haven't touched the ball in a year.
2: (laughs) Hey, we need a fullback. How about we get someone like Jim Curtin or Sega to come back?
0: (laughs) I'm seeing Zach Thornton (laughs) as a shout. Zach Thornton could take off the goalie gloves and maybe go left back.
2: That's that's that was a joke thing that we were talking about on Twitter. But if we see Richard Sanchez lining up at left back, I will lose my mind. I I don't know what what I'll do, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do something fun.
0: It worked out the other way for Ederson of Man City. He was actually a converted left back to goalkeeper.
2: The Second Coming of Jorge Campos.
0: That'd be awesome. Uh, real quick, let me let me finish up a little scouting report here. I don't know if you guys want to. You can add in your comments uh, if I if I if I maybe don't misspeak. This is a scouting report from like 2012, so <laughs> it's definitely seven years old. But I imagine some of it is definitely similar. But you know, players get older in age, out of things. So and out of out of habits and and behavior. So versatile across the midfield, attacking midfield line, left wing cam, right wing. I think yeah, we're going to see that. Uh, there seem to be indicating that he's more comfortable on the touchline rather than in the middle of the park. But we kind of spoke about he could potentially dominate MLS uh, talent and, and be really, really good in the middle of the park.
2: Yeah, as long as he moves around. If he has that movement around the park, he's going to be able to get those chances on the touchline.
0: Mm-hmm. Apparently he's an outside shooting threat. Uh, whether he's outside of the box, inside of the box, or even just five yards wide of it, he's got a wicked curler of a left foot. Not necessarily a uh, Robin-like, but maybe a, But there's 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 a comparison for a ridiculous left shot, left-footed shot. Um, good center of gravity. He's five foot seven, uh, small, but not easy to knock off the ball. Uh, he can truck through a tackle. They're saying, and he's apparently. Particularly uh, left-footed, uh, in FIFA they say he, in FIFA at least they have it that he favors that foot. So I don't know if maybe he doesn't really have a right foot. I don't know if you guys have any news on that.
2: If you don't have a left foot, you could just use a Cruyff turn. I mean, if you if you only use <laughs> one foot, Johan Cruyff only used one foot throughout <laughs> his entire career. It's fine.
0: great, Jiggly. That's great. Um, com- comfort in possession. So. A byproduct of a stocky build and versatility, he'll be happy on the ball. So maybe, are we? one thing we've seen with the Fire and the past two games, they've been heavy in possession. Maybe this is the key to unlocking that offense. For, for this, this offense that wants to be heavier in possession than maybe a counterattacking team.
2: It's very interesting to see how this offense has like, done things because I remember at the beginning of the season, I said we needed to kind of just play ugly. We needed to make sure that the ball was staying in their end, even if we weren't holding possession. We needed to, you know, I, my whole thing of stab, don't pull, uh, not exactly playing out of the back. But we're actually kind of doing it well, surprisingly, especially with Marcelo, who is a center back who is great on the ball. We already knew Cap was good on the ball. So with two center backs that can actually pass now, makes it look a whole lot better. And I don't know. I don't think that we actually have had much trouble with unlocking And making passes, and it's a lot about finishing right now. And if we get somebody who is a lot more specific with that final pass, I know uh, Frankowski has put in good balls, but there's also that one play in the LA game where we should have gotten that goal, but he put it just a bit too far ahead in front of, uh, I think it was Katai who was on the end of that, or it was this, or you know, you have the other side where for some reason, our striker isn't exactly scoring, we still need another offensive... Okay, I think I just stopped myself. (laughs) I was going to a point there and I just built up to nothing. But the first part of it, yes.
1: I will say this as far as possession. I think you're looking at it a little bit in the wrong way. I think uh, you want to have the ball and control the game because you don't want to be relying on your defense as it's currently constructed to hold off teams for sustained periods. Mm -hmm. I think the L.A. match showed that. Um, Orlando did not create a lot going forward, but they. um, I think the weather kind of made that game strange anyway, where it was never going to be a pretty game. Uh, I think Orlando was very solid defensively until the very end, which is ironic, but you look at what the fire have done in both of their games is win the midfield battle for the majority of the match. And that is going to be key for them because I think if they're going to drop back and absorb pressure, they're going to struggle. So that I think that's more a statement on the defense than the attack. Like You want that attack to have the ball, and it looks like they should be able to like – they're not going to need to play on the break to create chances. Like It looks like you have enough players who can – Beat players with speed, beat players one on one, and beat players with passes. That you should be able to uh, create chances through the run of play. Ideally,
0: I think you hit on it too uh, when you were t- you, you basically mentioned the way they played last year, which was invite guys to come at them almost, uh, and they played a little too deep. So hopefully, yeah. we, we do see the opposite of that—a lot more forward thrusting and control of the ball, but more forward thrusting and not more so playing out of the back, but keeping it on those dangerous wings um O'Leary uh and we said this if fire can figure out that defensive woes the the defensive woes they could be a real threat uh that's true Uh, a couple of weaknesses for Gaetan real quick inability to play in a flat four we're not signing him to be a Georgie Mihailovic uh Basti Schweinsteiger central midfielder so that makes sense but um defensive contribution uh not really good but that's to be expected And uh, he would be very good in a possession-hungry, high-pressing team, Uh, or or against a possession-hungry, high-pressing team, is what they're saying. Being such a creative outlet, so uh, he's going to bring a lot to the Chicago offense, and uh, hopefully, he's not a bust. Uh, Do you guys see any chances of that?
1: Any injury, you know, unhappiness? I, I mean, MLS is one of those leagues where on paper. Any player who has had recent success in, in Europe and is still in his prime should be good enough to succeed in MLS. But there's a lot of reasons it could go wrong. So I, I'd say, sure, you'd expect him to do well, but who knows what happens.
2: Uh, I, I did want to touch on uh, specifically, we were talking about him playing centrally. There was an issue uh, during the last game that I just saw during while I was re- re-watching it. The fire kind of just formed this circle around the entire Orlando team we had no one in the central uh, in the center I know like my dad came home yelling about it about it we had no central presence and I did see that that we just kind of had a circle around them And, and I don't know exactly how like it could work with just going around them but it means that we are lacking a lot in the central midfield And if we're getting somebody who doesn't like to play centrally, it might cause issues.
0: Any thoughts, Danny?
1: Sure. I I mean, again, I don't know know enough about his game to really get into the nitty-gritty of that. I think, depending on the formation we already talked about, based on personnel, there's a lot of ways that defensive shape could be uh, problematic. So, until we see it, you don't know how that could play out. That's all I'm saying is you want to see the best players on the field together and see if it works. And if it doesn't, it's a 34-game regular season, and hopefully you can figure it out quickly and find a solution. So I I think you have to run through the possibilities, both in training and then in matches, and and see what fits and and figure it out. I think this is going to be, on that note, one of the most, um, uh, I guess, I don't want to say difficult, as in like he doesn't have talent, because I'd say the 2016 team was very difficult for Ponovich in terms of uh, the just the lack of talent he had. But it's it's gonna test Ponovich's coaching chops in terms of figuring out how to get this team to work, right? So it's first world problem having too many t- talented attacking players, right? But is absolutely gonna test his ability to make it all work.
0: All right, I got a couple final questions for us as we're rattle it, as we're we'll cl- kind of close it down here. Um, final questions here. What do we what do we all expect out of Gaetan? Do we, uh, I'm expecting you know maybe eight assists. I'm just gonna throw some stat out stats out there. Eight, eight, eight or nine assists and maybe four or five goals. You guys think more goals than assists? What do you think? Uh,
2: I think I think double digit assists. I, mm-hmm. I when he was first signed, I was like. I looked angry about it, but it's like, no, I think he's going to do great. And that was the problem that I saw with him pushing people out of positions. But at this point, about him solely doing well, he's going to do well in this league. Mm -hmm. I think I
1: lean more towards your first prediction there with with single digits in both. But um, I don't know that that would be bad either. I mean, he's going to miss the first three matches. Uh, He's going to have to integrate after that. I think if you get like five and nine out of him, That's solid. Again, but that's only because you're expecting Frankovsky to give you some goals, you're expecting Katai to give you a handful of goals, and you're expecting Sapong and Nikolic to give you a a solid number of goals. So you don't need a ton of goals from Gaetan. Um, I think ideally, yeah, you want like 8-12 and or something. I don't know if that's realistic, missing a few games and, and, and then having to integrate into the team. But... I think somewhere in that range is, is pretty plausible,
0: though. Yeah, and uh, my last question, for this weekend, uh, because Pono now has, has this new piece, but he's yet to integrate it, obviously, do we see him start to tinker with the lineup and maybe instead deploy something different this weekend? What do you think the odds are of that?
1: Well, this week it's, it's interesting because like obviously Gaetan's not going to be available, and Corrales is out, as we guys, we've talked about. Um, so... The options are somewhat more limited. Uh, I don't imagine... Well, let's put it this way, though, because you're going to have Sapong and Nikolic, and, and Nikolic missed the opener. Sapong started on a wing position, but Frank Krosky came off the bench because he was coming off a, a minor injury in training. So you're going to have Sapong, who scored two goals in two matches, Nikolic, who missed the opener and didn't look super sharp against Orlando. And then you want to get Katai uh, and Frankowski on the wings. So what can they do on that front? Um, it could be interesting. It's the first time we'll see, or at least we think we'll see, all the attacking options outside of Gaetan, but you know the standard uh, full lineup for the end of the season with uh, You know Nikolic and Frankowski each missing a start. We'll see how that shakes out. So it'll be different just because you expect the players available to Panovic being different,
0: and not having Corrales available is definitely gonna, is going to change things. So maybe we do. So maybe he doesn't change anything. But I kind of am leaning towards that he we might see the the first deployment of the three-man back line, uh, with this weekend and him trying to start to play the way that they want to play with Gaetan. With Gaetan. Um is Gaetan the next Nery Castillo?
2: <laughs> Boom! Wow! Sizzle. No <laughs>
0: oh, no, that's hopefully not. Let's not mention that name anymore. Um, but uh, I think that's about it, boys uh, any final thoughts any final comments? you guys uh, think that this pushes the fire over the edge to make the playoffs or to make them an actual contender?
2: I don't feel like it changes that much about the way that we are that we are going to be performing. He's going to do well, but I think that without him we'd have Mahalovic who would be who would be playing well, we'd have Frankovsky playing well. If everyone plays well and Gaetan plays well, I don't exactly think he changes that much about our, about our attack. It's about our defense that we should be very, very worried about.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think he was a big need. Uh, although, I'll say it this way, on paper the fire's attack already looked good and did not look good in either the first two matches. There were stretches that looked good in L.A., but the only goal they got was basically an L.A. mistake. So I think you have to kind of balance why they looked dangerous. They weren't actually uh, putting chances on target and scoring. So um, he makes them better, and I think the it may force Ponovich and the Fire to be more attacking, which probably is good for this team anyway. As I, I think I said it um, either on Twitter or in one of my stories after the L.A. match, the uh when they were up one nothing you saw they had chances to go up two but then they eventually did end up sitting back and this is not like a team that can sit back on a one-on lead they're going to have to keep going for more goals and so from that perspective this just gives them more ability to do that so uh does it make them a ton better it, i think it raises their upside i think there's still uh i, I it, after two matches it's you could say they did not look like a playoff team. Uh, it's mm. way too early to make that a firm prediction or assumption, but they did not look like a playoff team in those first two matches. Mm. They showed glimpses of how they could be better, and that's still true. And uh, even with Gaetan, I think, okay, maybe their upside is a little bit of a, more of a contender. I don't know if it's an MLS Cup team without more defensive reinforcement, though. I, I don't think you even consider that without significant improvement on that side of the ball.
0: It's a risky Vegas bet. It's a risky Vegas bet. The odds just went up, too, because they got a Gaetan. So definitely was better to put, make the bet last week before Gaetan arrived. But a risky bet with Vegas to take the fire to win. Based upon based upon what we've seen right now, uh, I totally agree with you there. Danny. Danny said to Romita, take a look at Danny on, on Twitter. Take a look at his work and writing. Thanks for so much for coming on and taking the time.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Uh,
0: Jiggly, also take a look at Jiggly's work. Follow Jiggly on Twitter uh, as well. I'll have all their information in the details in the in in our uh, comments below. Check us out on Stitcher. Right. Oh, go ahead. My J-
2: most recent article just came out, uh, and I forgot to tweet it, so I tweeted it while we were doing this live stream. So my last tweet is my most recent article for midweek training.
0: And Danny just put out an article today too, so be sure to check a look at take a look at that. We were talking about some of the stuff inherent within. During this podcast, but be sure to follow Danny for great work. Follow Julie for some great work. Check out Spinning Fire us on. We're here on YouTube. We're also on Stitcher, and you can find us on pod, pod uh, iTunes podcast, iTunes podcasts now too. Give us a rating; it helps us out. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll 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 have a podcast going for uh, the post game for Seattle. We'll figure that out probably on Sunday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for your comments and thanks for your time. Uh, uh, go Fire! Uh, any last comments from you guys? Well, that's it. Thanks a
1: lot for having me again.
0: All right, thank Watch you, Danny. Red stars. Yes, go Red Stars. Thank you, too, jiggling. All right, like and subscribe. Hit that bell icon for uh, for future uh, broadcasts. Thanks for joining us on Spitting Fire. We'll see you guys next time. Fire it up with our zone, Well, maybe fire it down. Later.